It's called Let's Keep the Flames of Hope Alive. Never let the fires die. Let's keep the flames of hope alive. And never let the fires die. Take the lie of the lie. Hi. This is Steve Fulton from the Never Let the Fires Die podcast, the Alarm podcast. A few weeks ago, we published our podcast review of the Blood Red album from Mike Peters and the Alarm. And after we published that podcast, we got Mike Peters to answer a few questions for us about the album and the recording and where it sits in the pantheon of Alarm albums, recordings, and records. So here's Mike Peters answering a few of our questions. Many songs on here sound reminiscent of your solo work. Did you go back to that work as a continuation for the new songs? The new songs came out of a void, really. I think I was uh, um, working a lot with Big Country in 2013. Um, I felt uncomfortable playing guitar and working on my own songs in their dressing rooms, in their studios, in the situations I find myself in. And... So I just started writing lyrics and uh, in the silence, in the void. Uh, and, uh, and and that's really where the creative hub of Blood Red began. And um, it was unusual uh, in the sense that when I sat down in my writing room to really start to put things together, I actually had more lyrics than the music. Uh, and so I spread all the words out and started to... Uh, imagine songs for and to go with the words I could see that I'd written down and uh, and I think it all happened to coincide with the time when um, I relapsed with leukemia Jules got diagnosed with breast cancer and and so um, it began a chance it gave me an opportunity to real really pour my emotions into the music in uh in a way that I'd never really had that amount of conviction for a long time. And I think that's why there was a big gap in, in records between direct action and this. And, of course, there's been various pieces along the way, like vinyl, which had a breed apart. Uh, and, and there's been, you know, the big country album I wrote as well. So there's, there's has been creative output, and I re- recreated declaration and strength so i think they all focused me towards making a new record that was a summation of everything and so yeah that there's you there's an element of it referencing my solo work but uh i think um i've always seen my work as being um solo artist in a way even back to the beginning i i was very conscious of retaining my identity as a songwriter in the alarm um, there, there was pressure on us at the beginning to um, say the songs were written by the whole band, and, and but I felt that was that was a that wasn't true because it wasn't. We we weren't a band that created songs out of a jam session in a rehearsal room. Uh, Eddie and I would sit down with our various pieces of music that we'd created, put them together, as and take them in as finished songs, and um, and that. That was true for all of us. That's how Dave Sharp worked as well. He'd write a song like One Step Closer on his own and, uh, and present it to the band. And and that's how we operated. And, and I, I was very um, 
uh, I, I really stood up for the fact that I wanted it to say Mike Peters, Eddie McDonald, Dave Sharp, Nigel Twist, where, whenever he contributed as well. But I was very um, conscious of the fact that songs were written uh, before they arrived in the sphere or the circle of the band. And um, so I, I've always uh, seen the songwriting element of my life as being um, solo activity and uh, and then arranged by the bands or the musicians I've played with. In fact, um, for Blood Red, I, I recorded all the demos on my own, everything, drums, guitar, bass, vocals, backing vocals, keyboards, everything. I did it all on my own. So, yes, there, there is um, a thread of Mike Peters solo and alone working uh, th right through the Blood Red album. It feels like important people in your life are characters that run through many of these tracks. Jules, your mom, your sister, your boys. Are the songs written for anyone in particular, or did you keep it universal? There's elements of, in all of the songs that I wrote for particular people in my life, um, I won't necessarily say what those lines are right here right now because I, I, I think um, I do want the songs to uh, um, grow in people's imagination and, and allow them to work in their own lives and if you hear a song like Time you might see your own children while you're listening back to that song or referencing the lyrics or you might see your own loved ones in the emotion that comes from hearing a song like time uh so uh let's just leave it at that yes of course all the people that are closest to me are part of the subject matter of blood red but it's a universal record there are some unique production angles on many of these tracks you head fake right then go left can you tell us a bit about the process for producing this album with blood Red. I'd created all the demos on my own completely, uh, but to make a record, I felt I needed to have a producer at the helm, somebody who could push me beyond where I'd got to myself. Uh, I was very private about the demos. I didn't play them to any of my musician friends, band members. Uh, the first person I played them to was George Williams, who I'd worked with on Under Attack, and I really loved what George brought to the equation when I worked that record with with the band and um, the band of the time and uh, so I wanted to carry on from there and uh, George was great from day one, he pushed me really hard he challenged me on tempos he um, made me push some of the tempos make the songs faster uh, he pushed me on the beats, the, te the, um, the rhythms of the tracks, um, and he, he pushed me melodically uh, if, if he felt I was being a little bit lazy or indulgent. Um, he'd make some cuts, uh, and, and I, th I really enjoy that process of, um, of the push and pull between a producer and the artist where you're, you're both trying to get the best out of the material together towards the goal of making a record that lives beyond that first listen, a record that is interesting, that's got depths and layers to it that at first might not be revealed, but are there to be discovered. And um, 
I wanted uh, Blood Red to be a record that was a challenge for my audience as, as much as it's been a challenge for me. Uh, it's um, it's it's unfair in a way to say to to almost judge Blood Red yet because it's part of a bigger process. This is only one side of a double album that that people are hearing right now. I think uh, the big picture and will comes when Viral Black comes out and everything is joined together. At the moment, I've only wanted to put Blood Red out because I just wanted people to see one side of the emotions I was dealing with during this writing and recording process. And um, I wanted people to be able to uh, experience the music almost one step at a time. Here's, here's ten songs, listen to these, there's ten more coming on the back of them that are going to broaden the picture broaden the way you see the music and and hear it and um i want people to really engage because the lyrics were so important to the songwriting process i want people to actually buy the record get a physical cd a vinyl lp so they can actually sit there and read the lyrics because they're as important as the melodic structure or the production uh, i felt uncomfortable about putting it out on spotify and itunes and Deezer and Amazon and all that kind of thing, uh, because you don't get any lyrical content. You go, don't get to see who the producer is. You don't see who's played guitar on track five. And I, I wanted people to just look at the credits and realise that I played all the guitar. So I've, I've always been the guitarist in the band. I've always written songs, but I've never been the executioner of that live. Whereas I am now. I've, I'm taking the confidence to to play my guitar parts live now. And uh, I'm enjoying the space that's created in the music and uh, and the push that's given to take us forward. And um, so uh, I, I do did want this record to uh, have a, um, an element of the unknown about it, of, of the unexpected, to cause a few ripples in the ocean. And, and it to be a record that people could talk about and come back to and listen and learn to get to know because that's the mark of all the, the great records I love. The best records I have in my collection the ones that weren't obvious to me at first. I had to work at them and listen to them ten times uh, before they became part of my soul. And uh, I find that now with the modern-day delivery of music is, is, um, is soulless. And it's easy to switch on to check out a new album on Spotify. And you've made no emotional investment in it. And it's easy to hit pause or just put it on random. And you don't really get to see what the artist's vision is. I think you only get that when you live with a record and you sit down with the cover and you look at the photographs that are part of the expression. So I wanted to get back to that with Blood Red. Slow the pace down. Slow it down so... This record can come out over the period of a year so people can get to know it and and live with it and put the, the time in and in the hours that I did when I was creating and writing and producing it. Is there a sonic or lyrical theme to this collection of songs that differs from the upcoming Viral Black collection? Blood Red is very different from Viral Black. It's a, an internal-looking record. So it it's, um, deals with love, humanity community, family, bonds of togetherness. Uh, and it is really looking inside your your personal life and how you live and react with the people around you. 
And that is the theme of Blood Red. Viral Black is an outward-looking record. It looks at the world and how the world impacts on the life around us. And therefore, it's going to be a very different record from Blood Red. A song like Tomorrow could have been produced multiple ways. The guitars are there, but other elements prevail in the mix. As the lead track, did you design the song to prepare listeners for what was in store on the rest of the album? With Tomorrow, I, I felt like it was a great opening track because it was challenging right from the, the get-go. I played it live, and it really only had a kick drum and some guitars, and uh, it's um, a simple chord structure to the song. But I, I like the message in the title, whatever you think you are today, you can be tomorrow. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to instill in my audience, that uh, it, it's, there's an optimism running through the whole record because I've had to uh, dig deep to find that optimism to keep going through some really difficult times and I've always had to look and think this is only today Mike, the, 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 the trials and tribulations we're facing as a family right now or as a community, they're just today and tomorrow it might be all different and I think we have to, that's where optimism comes from you think that in the future things will be better we can be stronger we can see this through so I thought that was a great message to start the record with and that can lead you to all the other songs and in a way the, the final song Crowd Trouble that is really pointing Blood Red towards Viral Black and that, folks, concludes Season 1 of the Never Let the Fires Die Alarm Podcast. We did a very quick season this year, trying to make up for the fact that Season 0 started last June, and we didn't podcast again for nearly 10 months. We had a great time, and we learned a lot, and I think we, we figured out what our voice might be for this podcast. So for Jeff and I, uh, this is Steve Fulton. Um, I'd like to thank Mike Peters, of course, for answering all of our questions, Lily Aliciad for being our special guest, as well as Gary Overington and Steve Vardy and Amanda Vardy for being our guest hosts from the UK. We'll be back after a summer break of a few weeks with uh, maybe a fresh perspective on the podcast. I know Mike has asked us to slow down a little bit, maybe do one every three weeks or one every four weeks, so that's what we plan to do. But it was fun trying to get one of these podcasts done a week over the past 10 weeks. For Jeff and I, we have a, a lot of ideas about where to go. And we got a complaint letter, well, kind of, from Graham Lampin, who said we missed one of the versions of Alarm Alarm. And we went back, and he was right. So Graham is going to record himself, and we're going to talk about that as well in an upcoming episode. But again, this is uh, Steve Fulton, Never Let the Fires Die podcast. We're going dark for a few weeks. The end of Season 1, we'll be back with Season 2. There's so much to talk about coming up in the next season. We've got Viral Black coming up. We've got Dave Sharp, who's going to be opening the UK tour. We've got Mike Peters on the Alarm touring all over North America this summer with the Vans Warp Tour and on their own headlining tour. We've got so much. We've got the musical that Mike has written coming out in the fall as well. There's going to be a lot going on. It feels like there hasn't been this much going on in years. So again, Steve Fulton 
for Jeff Fulton, the Never Let the Fires Die podcast, the Alarm podcast. We're out for now, but we'll be back again soon. Catch you in the summer. Thanks a lot. Now I'll leave you with one of my favorite songs from the Counterattack Collective, a song that never made it onto the Guerrilla Tactics or Direct Action albums. It's a song from the 1983-1984 disc. It's called War Song.